Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast. It's episode 143 this week, and it's three years since our very first episode. This week, some bloke with wild hair did a card trick in the Asian Cup. There were top-of-the-table clashes in France, Spain, and Germany, and as always, the latest from the Premier League. Alrighty, here we go. We're recording on the Monday night. It's the 12th of February, the day after the three-year anniversary of our first episode. No, it's been a good run, and we're still enjoying it, so we'll keep going as long as that's happening. Massive shout-out to our listeners who have been following from the start. Big welcome to the new ones. Hey, if you want to give us a hand as a, a birthday gift of sorts to us, head on over to Spotify or Apple, wherever you're listening. Give us a review, and if you're on the socials, Facebook, X, Insta, TikTok, even TikTok, don't forget it. Uh, head on over, give us a like and a share. Let's see if we can keep growing this thing. Uh, like I said, we've had a lot of fun doing this over the last three years. And as long as there's football to watch and some sort of usable internet connection, we'll keep going. So uh, let's go. Let's let's go for another three years. Tommy is here, as he has been from the start. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. How good is it? Oh, I'm just, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pride. <laughs> I'm feeling like, you know, like a, a clucky young mum. Watching, watching our little baby grow, walk into the world, kind of make me want another one. You want another another podcast? Yeah, or a, or a baby? You want an actual baby? Uh, I'm Both. not allowed to talk about children anymore on this pod, but <laughs> more generally, yeah, another one. Okay, um, we were only talking last week, I think, about um, some of those times where I was just bringing a bunch of gear over to your house and putting it on a clothesline or something or whatever we could get it to stand on in front of us because my mic stand broke. Um, we also, at some point, we went on a trip to J-Car to get a new XLR cord for a microphone and we watched that guy nearly electrocute himself and burn the place down, remember? He shoved a piece of metal in a, in a PowerPoint at J-Car and the workers were like, what the fuck did that guy do? And then we went back to yours, recorded a pod and some lady shouted at her dog next door and we had to pause it. Um, it was weird. Anyway, that's... That's where we started. Now we're here we, on Zoom. We don't have these problems anymore. No, we have different issues like USB Cooper shoving, <laughs> Cooper shoving forks into toasters and stuff. Yeah, Cooper, you can't do that. Cooper is here. Uh, I am. You haven't been here from the start, but we're, we're, we're glad to have you on board. Cooper's been doing all our our graphic. Well, he he's done all the templates for our, our graphics on social media. If you've seen an, an uprise in those lately, um, the nostalgia ones, I think they're, they're the good ones. We, we're taking requests. If you've got any ideas for Adelaide United past players or any past Premier League players from the, from from whenever, really, uh, send it through. We'll see what we can come up with. Um, Cooper, I'll ask you a more relevant recent question. Uh, that, that idiot with the hair for Qatar in the Asian Cup, what's this card trick all about? He did a card trick celebration. Can you... Can you take us through this? You you had a fringe show, so I'm assuming you've hung around magicians of of sorts and you know these things. Yeah, I, I'm not. I think he looked like a fucking clown, but I'm still I'm still <laughs> unsure how he's done it. Um, I heard a few rumors that Tom sent him a DM on Instagram and asked him if he can make Metro cards appear like that, um, but, but he's yet to have a response. <laughs> no, that's it. That's such a cheap dig. That's such a cheap dig. This might be your last pod, Cooper. That's 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 grim. Um, keep shoving forks into things. Yeah, it might be. Tom, you sent this thing. Obviously, Qatar have won back-to-back Asian Cups. We weren't really going to talk mm. about the game because the Socceroos are out, and that was really our only interest. I mean, you know, what? what's the card trick all about? Is it he scored a penalty? 
Right. Well, I think the main thing is we still don't know how he did it. And so it's a mystery to me. Yeah. What do, what do you even have on it? Like the number three or something? It looked like an S. Yeah, or an S. It was an S, yeah. It was a snake. And where was, was he, <laughs> where was he keeping it throughout the game? It was in his sock. Because after he scores, he ducks down and grabs some cards out of his sock. I don't, I still, I don't know. I don't know. What else Maybe, has he got in that sock? I a would duck? like to think a full Yu-Gi-Oh deck is what yeah. I think. I heard that he saw Marco Rudan's press conference last week and S stood for stigma. Ah, there's a stigma against Qatar. Oh, is there a stigma against Qatar? All right. Gee whiz. All right, we might leave that there. Let's go to the Premier League. We'll jump straight into this. Man City kicked off the weekend against Everton. They had the chance to go top for a little while until Liverpool played, and they did. Uh, 2-0. I don't know what you guys thought of this one. One of those on the surface when you look at scores, uh, Man City winning 2-0 at home is kind of boring to me, but I don't know what you guys thought. Yeah, um, Harlan's first Premier League goal in 72 days or something like that. Um, and then he added a second to it not long after. And he's he's well and truly back from this injury now. And KDB mm. with another... KDB's uh, been back for four games now, two of them off the bench. And he's got a goal and five assists. And now Erling Haaland has two goals in just his second start back. And they are 10 undefeated as well. So we're at that point of the season now where City are well and truly humming. Yeah, they definitely. Are. Uh, they had they've had five or six cushy games, I'd say, in the prem leading into this. So potentially, you like we could be reading into the form line a little bit too much. But it's just that kind of period in the season that gives them the momentum to propel forward and go on and tackle the harder sides later on. And they are in touching distance or are going to be on top. Um, it's that thing that everyone watches, and we just wait for it every season. And here it is. It's the most inevitable part of the Premier League. Yeah, I don't know if this is me just conflating ideas, but I I thought during this one that there was a sense in that Eddie had that it seemed a bit louder than it normally would be. Mm, I don't know I if that. like City After the goal. been a bit... I guess they've had their backs against the wall a bit, been under the... They've Some of the ridicule they copped in the media, which was fair for some of the slump they were in, but at the end of the day, even with that slump, they were still so within touching distance, and now they're right on the top of it again with a game in hand. It did feel like it felt louder in there, and like this, this really meant something. Um, and they're just really starting, starting that charge. We'll talk about the Champions League later, later but they've got Champions League fixtures coming up too. Um, they're just they're clicking that gear, like we've said all season, just waiting for it. So we'll watch it's, this space. Um, Hopefully, it doesn't happen from our point of view. It was the FFP cheat derby so maybe that is what galvanized the fans a little bit well so far manchester city are not guilty of anything so allegedly allegedly (laughs) allegedly uh what else happened saturday night there's a couple here that tough to get around fulham bournemouth i think fulham and bournemouth were they in our two of those teams or in our teams at the start of the year that we agreed we probably wouldn't watch they may have been bournemouth was definitely one of them i just yeah, good job, Fulham, but it's it's a bit of a nothing for us right now. I think Liverpool 3, Burnley 1 as well. I I don't know if you want to say anything on this, Cooper, but I think we've talked Liverpool to death the last few weeks and they're just humming along at the moment nicely and just doing their job, really. So, Yeah, nothing for me. I fell asleep at halftime. It was pretty boring. Yeah, love that. <laughs> Imagine being so comfortable in your side's ability that you can just be like, ah, I've gone to sleep. 
Yeah. Yep. Three points in the bag. <sighs> uh, despite being asleep, though, I just know you would have been up and about in the morning and gone back and watched a replay of this Luton 1, Sheffield 3, because I know how much you hate Luton, even more so now that I got you to praise them last week and they've spat in your face by <laughs> losing to bottom of the table Sheffield. Yeah, fucking clowns. Um, This was, I, I mean, on, on a serious note, I said to Tom, this is a, to put it lightly, an absolute disaster of a result for for Luton, given the the run of form, if you want to call it, that they've been on, um, yeah, in, in recent times, that they've now got Sheffield United at the worst team in the league by some distance. I think we would say uh, at Kenilworth Road, where they've been really good, um, and it was such a big opportunity for them, and to go and lose three um, one. If Luton had won this game, they currently sit one point out of the relegation zone. If they'd won this game, they'd be four points clear of the relegation zone with a game in hand on every team sitting in it. So this is properly disastrous for them. Yeah, agree. Um, you feel for the boys at Kenilworth Road, don't you? No, no, just all. he doesn't. <laughs> he does not. <laughs> Do you think maybe the um it's almost like the spectre of um survival is what has done them in here? Because I mean, Sheffield United, this is literal last roll of the dice. They had to win this to give themselves absolutely any chance of staying up. So it's potentially they were just a little bit more hungry, a little bit more motivated to get themselves out of the three points here. Mm. It's taken them off the bottom too. Well, not off the bottom, but like they're not sole bottom now. They're level one points with with Burnley on 13, both sides still seven points out. I think we've been saying every week we've we've pretty well locked in Burnley and Sheffield to go down. It's too big a, a task from here. But like you said, Cooper Luton, they sit on twenty points. A win there gets them to you know twenty three, and they're above above Forest with a game on them. And all of a sudden, it's Forest checking over their shoulder at what Everton are doing. Um, just a huge missed opportunity. Been in such a good form. I think last week we talked about um, the we actually have enjoyed watching Luton play at times this year because they they do go out and attack when they need to. Um, I don't know what's gone wrong from here, but a disappointing result. Uh, tight, uh, Tottenham, two, Brighton, one. Son came back and praised him for being just a big-time player, coming back from the Asian Cup. A disappointing exit for them in the semifinals, but Son came back to Spurs and he sets up the winner with a bit of help from Richarlison and Johnson gets a, a late one. A huge three points because this was your game of the week, Cooper. Yeah, uh, Tottenham needed this. Um Props to, I mean, like you said, Song Hyun Min for just coming back in so seamlessly. He would be properly disappointed after that semi-final loss to Jordan in the Asian Cup, but to just come back in and be able to just move past that and and do what Spurs needed. Um, and Brennan Johnson too. He's had Brennan Johnson's had quite the underrated season. It probably hasn't had the the attention that a lot of young players across the league have had, given the success that he he has had playing for Spurs and and the ability and the goal scoring form that he's shown. Um, dropped for this one, dropped to the bench um, in favour of, obviously, Timo Werner, Richarlison and, and, and Son. Uh, to come on and, and score late would be huge for him. And I think it's a good good headache for Ange to have, to have the four of those. I was going to ask you about Brennan Johnson. Like, how are we feeling about this guy's performance in this game and his season? Because um, I was scrolling through uh, X when the game was on and I don't think I've seen, like, a vitriol of online hatred for a single individual, like <laughs> as large as this, since the king announced his cancer diagnosis, like he was getting flamed left, right, and center. Getting flamed. 
Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really, you know, I don't consume a whole lot of Spurs. I definitely don't consume a whole lot of X. So, God, yeah, couldn't tell you. Couldn't help you on that one. Well, he's shutting them all up with a lady uh, with a late winner, which is nice. Yeah, well, he just has to make the run and then knock it into the empty net, really, doesn't he, though? Yeah, well, got to be there. Got to be there, Sammy. Um, yeah. I thought in this one, uh, Vicario, some massive first half saves to keep Spurs in it. Mm. Uh, there was a really, really good one off of Welbeck early on. Uh, there was one through the midway of the first half as well. It, it's just, but he it, it had a really good season, but it just, it kind of falls back onto, there's sometimes even I find myself shouting at the telly uh, as like another Spurs defender just mucks around with it on the edge of the box, thinking just hoof it, man, hook the fucking thing. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, Brighton just, um, I don't know. Another loss really for them. Their season hasn't really gone as planned, but I mean, they are still ninth, which I think is, it is probably huge for Brighton to be ninth. I think we're just given the context of the last few seasons and and how good they were looking. Uh, we we had them maybe to be the side that did what Villa have done so far this season and be sitting in that Champions League spot or just outside of it, and and they just haven't really been able to. And so that and from that perspective, it looks disappointing. But I think Brighton would be more than happy to be comfortably establishing themselves as a as a top flight club and a top half club at the moment. Just, uh, just on this one, one question I had for you, Sam, is just following up on last week, uh, Tom talking about Vicario then. Last week we spoke about how Vicario had probably his poorest game for Spurs. Yeah. And every time Everton had a corner, it looked like they were going to score because they just hung one up on his head inside the six-yard yeah. box and put him under yep. pressure. And we said, oh, teams are going to go away and do potentially do their homework and, and they might come back and do this. And now Brighton had six corners in this game and they have two giant centre-backs in Jean-Paul Van Heck and Lewis Dunk. And not once did they put one on Vicario's head and try and put some pressure around him. And... And I, on the surface level, you know, people turn around and they go, oh, this team hasn't done their homework or whatever. But we know that Premier League clubs go away and they do their homework. Is this a case of Brighton uh, just deciding not to use it? Or is this like more of a Premier League teams like Brighton are just going to back their own tactics in rather than seeing what another club has done? They're just going to back in their own tactics and think that even though they've had success, we think that what we plan to do is going to be successful as well. Yeah, not sure. I think more likely the latter, that they would just rather be backing in their own plans. But also I think maybe, like, is that an outlier last week anyway? Like that one game for Vicario, you know, being like that from set pieces is going to happen, like bad games happen. Um, I think they're probably, I don't know, like maybe there's also an element of them thinking Tottenham would have tried to sort it out. I don't know. I would have liked to have seen them try it. Um, we talked about it with the, the Joe Gauchi one last season as well and no teams came out and did it to us after that either so real weird one <laughs> it's, it's interesting with the the whole do your homework thing um one of the commentators brought it up during the arsenal game which i know we'll get to um but when bakaya saka took the penalty against west ham in the arsenal game on the weekend just gone um the graphic of his last five penalties came up on the screen yeah. and he missed the goal on one, which was his one miss. But the last four penalties he's taken, he scored all of them and he's gone to, Saka's gone to his own bottom right-hand corner. And that's exactly where he put the penalty against West Ham, yet the keeper dove the other way. Yeah. Keeper needs that graphic to flash up just before he takes it, I think. <laughs> needs to see it on the big screen at the other end just so he can... Yeah, is he, is he not streaming Optus behind the goal? Keepers yeah. are silly, though. He would see it on the screen and not realise it's, like, in reverse. He would, <laughs> he would jump to the side the Xs are on, but it would be the wrong way. Uh, poor blokes. Goalkeepers. Hey, Cooper. Goalkeepers. 
Um, I don't think I've got anything else on that. I guess just Spurs find themselves in the four at the expense of Villa, who couldn't couldn't um, overcome United. We'll get to that game later, but that that left Spurs. They they you know they could have dropped back out the four, but they've held on to it for the time being. Um, Wolves nil, Brentford two. Another one, not too <laughs> not too many people tuning into that one outside of Wolves and Brentford fans. I wouldn't have thought, but Tommy Forrest v Newcastle had five goals in it. You had a bit of an eye on this one. This was good. This was a, a, a hot game because, again, it's just two sides at different ends of the spectrum, really, really um, like playing with heaps of desire and, you know, trying to fashion out results at this sticky part of the season. The Like Newcastle were there to be got at in this because they are still reeling from injury crisis to, you know, European hangover. They had the whole Trippier in-house thing that was going on for a second there. They're just they're so fortunate, Newcastle, in this game that Forest are despicably bad at defending set pieces. And being this poor in like such a crucial area of the game is going to be the difference in them staying up this season. Because they are on the downward trajectory that for me, they're looking more and more likely the 18th team this season. Yeah, fair. That's um scathing, scathing review of Nottingham Forest. I That's had so a bit bad. of an eye on this and thought like I remember last time these two played at St. James and I thought Newcastle were like their own worst enemy and cost themselves what should have been a pretty comfortable win in control in that first half. But they just were sitting so high and letting Forrest come at them. And I I reckon they've probably gotten away with one here again, like you said, just because Forrest can't defend the set piece. But Newcastle, Forrest had so many of those chances again where Newcastle had the high line and they just got in behind so much. I, I wake up at night in cold sweat sometimes through fear that, Alanga might run down my street and the sheer pace of him will send waves that will rip my walls down. That guy is so fast, uh, but they just couldn't capitalise on him. And, you know, Newcastle did what they had to do. Bruno, big Bruno, bopping up with a double. The better Bruno in the Premier League, I'd say. Yeah, the the better Bruno. That was a good goal, the second one. Really nice finish. Um, but again, it's just it's such a criminal pass out of defence to, yeah. you know, bring up the opportunity for him. But like we said, I had it written down here. It was, it was curious how often Forrest were able to play through, like straight through Newcastle's yeah. defence. It's just what a I low did them last time. Yeah. yeah, it's another one of these things. Maybe they didn't do their homework. Too. Yeah. Speaking of homework, yeah. <laughs> and an interesting statistic I saw on the weekend is that Nottingham Forest and Burnley are tied as the two teams to concede the most goals from set pieces this season. And mm. it's probably not that big of a deal, but I just think in my mind I naturally... I don't know if we all do, but just naturally assume that these cellar dwellers, if you will, are the clubs that are going to be, you know, like the the Brexit hack really good in the air. Like you're not going to score <laughs> yeah. off a corner against them, but you'll outclass them off the ground. But it seems like everyone's scoring from corners against these guys. Yeah, definitely. See, it should be the one thing they're locking down on the training ground. But I mean, that's the beauty of the Prem now. There's so much money floating around. They are, there's a lot of top heavy sides and that's you're probably why you're seeing more goals than often. Speaking of scoring from set pieces, West Ham, nil. Arsenal, six. I feel so vindicated. If you want to go back and listen, look at the dates. I don't know what episode it is. Remember last time I spoke about Arsenal's performance against West Ham? West Ham got the win, and I sounded so salty. I feel really vindicated in being right that the performance was fine and that West Ham play on so much luck and that this team absolutely fucking sucks. Well, David Moyes sucks. He stinks. His tactics are terrible. And without Jared Bowen, these guys would be getting relegated right now. 
And I was I was so thrilled to see us pump six past these idiots. I'll tell you what. There were some good goals in it. Again, set pieces, um, which is good. I mean, sometimes you need set pieces to break open a game like that. But then when the um, the Wolves came down, wow, Arsenal really turned it on. Mm, Cooper, what you got? I know you got some thoughts on West Ham too. Uh-huh, cop that. Um, so good. <laughs> Agree with you. I hate watching these pricks and... And and watching them lose like this was wonderful. Um, I just <laughs> there were some really good set piece tactics in this from Arsenal, and I didn't necessarily strike them as a team that were were going to do a lot of damage in this one on set pieces. But notably, Declan Rice was on corners and free kicks, which is uh, a change from from Saka and Martinelli that have been taking the corners from both sides. Um, and he put some really good balls in, and Arsenal did some really interesting things where they sort of clogged the back post up or clogged the back post and then four or five made a run to the front post and we saw it work for Gabrielle's goal and then the Saliba was the opposite where they they flooded that back post and and West Ham just couldn't deal with it. Um we've seen Gabrielle and Saliba be be good in the air for multiple seasons now. Um and yeah props to Arsenal for finding a way to to unlock that against a team that like you said we saw again at, at the Emirates earlier in the season that 30, nearly 30 shots but didn't find a way to unlock yep. it. And Potentially, like I said before, those cellar dweller teams are so good at defending set pieces because it's what they focus on because they park the bus and they give away so many niggly little fouls and they just they don't let these good teams that are so top heavy get some sort of performing mm. run on. And Arsenal knew that they were going to end up with a million free kicks and I think it was nine corners in the first half. Yeah. Uh, so they put a lot of effort into this, obviously, during the week on the training ground and and, and good things came from it. Uh, Rice involved directly with three goals, uh, two a corner and a free scored kick, a and then scored an absolute humdinger. Um, two stats humdinger. that you'll, you'll love, Sammy. Oh, uh, he enjoyed that. This was both West Ham's joint heaviest home league defeat in Premier League history and Arsenal's mm-hmm. joint largest away league win in Premier League history. And Arsenal are now responsible for David Moyes' two biggest losses in Premier League history, this 6-0 <laughs> and a 7-0. That is... Beautiful symphony to my ears. I tell you what, um, like it's just on what you said before. West Ham aren't cellar dwellers though. That's what's doing me in here. They're sitting in oh, there, like, should be top half. They're sitting eighth, and I, I just can't believe it. Uh, I think we've said it most weeks, and I'm just kind of repeating it again. But guys, uh, a bit of talk about the commentators are actually saying that a few people, or oh, maybe Moyes might be in trouble after a 6-0 or whatnot. And it feels like, like you said, it, it feels like maybe they are a, a mid-table team or a cellar dweller, but they're not. And you wonder whether Moyes is in trouble or not. But if they were to finish in the top seven this season, Moyes will have come in when they just survived relegation and he's taken would have taken them to three consecutive top seven finishes in the yeah. Premier League, which is utterly gross. Mm, wild. And a continental trophy. <laughs> oh, my God. God, <laughs> it's, it's grim times, isn't it? They've, uh, maybe they've the got... Mourinho tactic works in Europe. Yeah. Hey, he would be – has he managed in Italy before? I reckon Moyes. old Davey Boy, Davey yeah, Spain. he would have a he'd have a ball out there. He did Spain. He was at Real Sociedad for a he bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, and they were okay. But I don't remember him playing football like this. Maybe – I don't know. Does he not trust the players he has? Or are the players just not good enough for him to play any other style? It's a cute, that's an interesting question because you would assume that they have good, they've got good players. They've got quality yeah. when they can get them all on the park. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my anger with, with this is I, I said to a few people watching this game on the weekend, one of the reasons that I hate West Ham and David Moyes so much and can't stand watching them is because you, could you imagine players like uh, Lucas Pacquiao, 
uh, Jared Bowen and Mohamed Kudus under a manager like Roberto De Zerbi at Brighton in a team that attacked and played fluent football, how good they'd be yeah. in that system yeah. potentially. It yeah. just it just feels like such a waste. Yeah, they've got the shackles on, don't they? I'll have to leave the West Ham bashing there. I've got a um, loyal listener of the show, actually, a mate, of, a mate of mine is a West Ham fan. I haven't seen him for a long time. Actually heading up to see him this weekend. He lives a fair way out of Adelaide. Um, I don't want to drive all the way up there and he just leaves his door locked. Doesn't let me in. So uh, apologies, but not sorry, West Ham fans. You're just going to have to live with it. I think they are pretty on board with Moyes, uh, Moyes being a bit of a shit tactician anyway. So it is what it is. From an Arsenal perspective, this game was, you know, it, I know it ends up being 6-0, but they come out firing because they. this is a game that really was the last nail in their coffin last season where they, they threw away the league lead. Um, it was a, it was an absolute disaster. And they had the chance to to kind of seal it and go two goals ahead and Saka missed a penalty. Uh, West Ham ended up coming back in that one. I can't remember if they drew or lost, but either way, it was drop points that were so massively costly and let City get ahead of them. So... Uh, just just had to show up and they and they did and went for it hard. Um, Aston Villa one, Man United two. This game had huge ramifications for the top top uh, the European spots, I guess. Um, United, like you said, the last few weeks, Tommy. I know you don't want to talk about them because you hate them, but they're they're clicking a little bit. They're getting results. Hoyland's finding the net, um, but Villa just just pretty disappointing from their perspective. I don't hate them. But there is bile spewing out of my mouth as I have to praise <laughs> their recent form. Yeah. Um, had a couple of people ask me today, are they back in the title race? Fuck yeah, they're back in the title race. The title Let's race. Let's go. Yep. Man United back on the title charge. In the they title win a few race. in a row. All of a sudden, these guys are going to take over the world. 13 points off top. Yeah. Walk in the park for these guys. <laughs> Especially now, Old Trafford's fixed. Yeah, the owners are cool again. Yeah. No. No. They're no. They're they're playing well. They actually they're a little bit more interesting to watch um, with this lineup the Ten Hag's putting out. Um, a little bit more fluent. It's getting to a point now where like you wake up. I didn't watch it live. Watch it the next day. But you wake up in the morning, you see that they've scored a couple of goals, and like you just expect Hoyland to be on the score sheet now. And so you yeah. pull it up and you think, shit, they've finally they've found a reliable goal scorer which has been, I mean, when Ronaldo was there, he was reliably scoring goals, but it was to the disadvantage of the rest of the team. But now Absolutely. it seems like they've they've found a guy that they can click into the system, feed him goals and be able to score around him as well. And it's doing wonders to, you know, do the double over Villa this season. That's a great, that's a great achievement. Cooper's I know, screwing his face I know, up. I know, it's, I know it's not what you're trying to do, but we, we haven't watched Rasmus Hoyland score in five consecutive Premier League games and start talking about Cristiano Ronaldo in the same fucking sentence that we like. <laughs> I was just referring, it was the last goal scorer for Man United, basically. Cooper's just heard the two names and he's ignored every other word you said in there, Tom. <laughs> but I mean... Look, blah, 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 if, blah, 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 blah. If, if you're a Man United supporter, I wouldn't get I wouldn't get overexcited because we've seen Anthony Martial score in five consecutive games before and we've seen Marcus Rashford score in five consecutive games and and that's not going brilliantly well for you right now and and I as much mm. as Sam does and, and United supporters do I actually quite like Rasmus Hoyland and I'd like to see him succeed but it's probably not the time to lump a load of pressure on this kid and and become reliant on him they actually do still need to find someone who can consistently score goals alongside him and take the pressure off him a bit as well you see I thought that the pressure was already loaded on him given that he was signed as basically the only striker they brought in with that huge price tag. And so it's just, it's kind of nice to see him start to fit in and repay it a little bit. Yeah. And potentially 
Is it nice? You both shut down my throat last time I talked to this guy and said, um, you know, said that I thought he, you know, I think we compared him a little bit to Nunez. Very different player to Darwin Nunez. All mm. I mean is in the same aspect of like, um, you know, doing a lot of things right and things just not really working for him. I think Darwin Nunez does a lot more right and we're starting to see that now. Um, but Hoyland was also doing a lot right and he was just kind of playing with a few duds and some dummies around him. He also he wasn't playing great either, but he was still mm. it, it, you could just see he kind of has it there. I, I've saw lots of him playing for Atlanta and thought he looked all right the, despite being super prolific in front of goal. The improvement that this guy's shown since Guy Nacho has come into the team consistently in place of Anthony as well is, is ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. I, at times, I know it's not as bad uh, as Chelsea, the spending, but like 100 mil on Anthony and some insane money on some other guys as well as Rasmus Hoyland. I, I don't want to give them too much credit for, for unearthing yeah. this guy or bringing him across because, you know, as I say, if you throw enough darts... I don't, yeah, I don't, that's it. I, I haven't think, discovered anything by spending think, 100 mil on a young striker. I also think the disrespect in using this whole this whole unearthing thing, you know, he was mm. playing at Atalanta, who, you know, a top four, top five Italian club <laughs> yeah. for the last five, six seasons. It's like when, um, not you, Cooper, but Liverpool fans about Schoberschlei talking about, oh, they found another one. It was like he was playing for Leipzig. Like he was he was playing Champions League football. Like he's not a nobody. Um, but yeah, I get I get the point. Um, Anthony, I'm he's got to be. I just thought of this then when you mentioned this 100 mil price tag. I just think he is probably going down for me as one of the top five most dud footballers I think I can I can ever think of. It's we should, we should the, make that list. The Some of the silence that comes around guys like, like Anthony in terms of, you know, Hoyland for, for 12 weeks while he was on a drought got the piss taken out of him, but he was still doing <laughs> better things than what Anthony was doing. And, and Darwin Nunez caught the same, you know, he's got 23 goal involvements in all competitions for Liverpool this season now, but he misses one opportunity or doesn't score in a certain game and they're copying it online and Anthony is just untouched and there's certain players mm. that get it and certain ones that don't and and it just seems ridiculous. The thing about it with like a pl- with a player like that for me, it's always about like you see these compilation videos and stuff people release of just their like where does he get the ego to be standing on the sideline, stopping the ball dead in the corner at Old Trafford and doing about 10 step overs in a row and not selling the defender at all? Like, who does he think he is? Like, just, just play football. Pass the ball to your teammate, you dickhead. Literally on the pitch, juggling it. And yeah. like, bro, you have one goal in 40-odd games. There's that one where he tries to do some stupid fancy turn that he doesn't need to for no reason and then gets tackled. Uh, I, and it goes out and he acts like he's outraged he didn't get the throw in. It's like, mate, uh, just pass uh, the ball uh, to a teammate. Red shirt, idiot, pass it to him. I forgot to mention it last week, but people that do listen will know that I've been building a list of uh, random players in the Premier League that have more <laughs> score involvements than Anthony Zero this season. <laughs> and uh, Brentford goalkeeper Mark Flecken joined that pack with an assist oh. in a 3-1 loss to Man City last week. So, well, so that's too. Mark Flecken made my rest of world t- uh, <laughs> five-a-side team last season. He <laughs> ridiculed me, and now he's getting assists in the Premier League. What a king. Um that did turn into a weird bit of United bashing despite their win. Um, I will just <laughs> I'll bring it back. I forgot they won. You guys would know. <laughs> you guys know I love when a celebration goes sour or that like just where someone just does a bit of a, they don't read the room properly. And Douglas Louise has not read the room properly. He scored an equaliser and his little celebration there, the little booby shake or whatever he's trying to do, Ooh. he... um. What would you call it? I don't know what you call it. Shimmy. A shimmy. A shimmy 
He's given uh, it a shimmy and shake. Alan Didak, Collingwood, that was a shimmy. This is, um, I don't know, Douglas Lewis is, does this <laughs> celebration that's real, like, eat it, like, ha-ha, eat shit, when it's like, yeah, mate, bro, you just can scored an equaliser. You haven't won the game. And then a little while later, he has a golden chance to put Villa 2-1 up, and he fluffs it, makes a dick of himself and misses, and then United end up scoring a winner. And I just love seeing karma like that. It's like the Richarlison pigeon all over again. <laughs> it was really, it was super awkward because... He didn't score the goal and then drop on the spot and do it, and then that was his only celebration. He sort of started, took a couple of steps like he was going to run to the corner and celebrate normally, and then really suddenly just dropped to a knee, did a shimmy, got up, pretended like it didn't happen, and continued to run to the corner. And from the personal perspective of someone with Tourette's, it really looked unnatural and like he wasn't in control of his own body while he was doing it, and I'm just not sure what was mentally going on. Yeah. Have you have you diagnosed him with Tourette's in this moment? Yeah, actually, um, from personal experience, I've shimmied before like that too accidentally, so I've got a bit of sympathy for him. <laughs> accidentally. Just convulsions. <laughs> um, absolute scenes. All right. I think that's it for Premier League. There's one game to come. People have will have seen it by the time they hear this. Chelsea play Palace in the morning. Uh, I reckon Chelsea are going to win this because Palace is just so underdone. Without Elise and uh, Elise, Elise and Eze, I don't think they have a sniff against this Chelsea side. But Chelsea are Chelsea and who knows with them lately. Uh, games of the week, Tommy, you and I had top of the table clashes in Spain and Germany. I'll just get France out of the way because I, men- I mentioned in the intro that France had a top of the table clash. It was it wasn't really a top of the table, but there were top teams playing each other. Um, Lille played PSG away. PSG got a win. And what else happened in that top four? There was an important game. Monaco and Nice, was it? I think. That was a fixture. I didn't see who yeah. won, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah, really we, matter, we neglect PSG French won. football so badly on this pod, but it just doesn't fucking do it for me, you know? It was Nice 2, Monaco 3, though. There were five goals. Um Brest had a one-all draw, which kind of has dropped them. They were sitting second like a couple of weeks ago, and now all of a sudden they find themselves fourth. Um, Lille kind of pushed aside by PSG, and it it had a, it had the potential this weekend to get the uh, the title race maybe back a little bit if Nice had get, gotten over Monaco. But as it is, Monaco have clawed their way back a bit um, toward closer to second. Nice are in second, but PSG look eleven points ahead. No one's catching them, are they? Nope. And that was done before the. Uh... Well, the first ball was kicked this season, as it yeah. always is in that in that league. Lovely. Tommy, your game of the week. Real Madrid versus uh, CFG Girona. <laughs> is that officially what they... Are they CFG Girona? I, no, I called them that. I'm surprised they haven't turned them blue yet. Like, it's... Well, the, it's a it's a weird thing where it's more like... I think like it's more that Guardiola owns a bit of a share and it's there's some mm, weird partnership thing. I don't know the brother. technicalities, but yeah, don't, yeah. Who cares? Who cares? It's, it's more oil money. Um, yeah. But what it has done this season um, in the absence of Barcelona or, or, you know, Atletico Madrid contesting for this league is this ended up being uh, like a proper six-pointer. There was two points mm. uh, separating Real Madrid and Girona this season. Girona have only lost one game going into it, uh, and that was two Real Madrid earlier. And, you know, it just it a little bit like France, it kind of cooked in a sense and you thought, okay, something excellent could happen here. There could be... It could be an upset. And then, yeah, upsteps Vinny Jr. after, what, five, six minutes. Absolutely lights this fixture up. A, yeah. a banger from distance. Like a literal thing of beauty. Cuts in from the wing, back across the keeper, top corner. Oof. 
He was he was excellent in this game. He was wild. Yeah, outstanding. I think um, uh, Ancelotti in the the post called him one of the, if not the best player in the world at the moment. And you know, we'll see. Getting deeper into the Champions League, we'll see if that stands up. But we had this convo last year about him, whether or not he was in like that upper echelon mm. of player. Yeah. And given his consistency again this season, you can't. Has to be. Yeah, you can't argue against it. He dished up the two assists for Bellingham in this game too. Yeah, I love him. I love him so much. It's so good to watch. Um, where is Jude Bellingham also in that echelon? I know he's only just the one season at Real Madrid so far, but even with what he did at Dortmund last season, he was player of the year in the Bundesliga, and then he doing this at Real Madrid at twenty, like he's he's in the same mix, isn't he? It'd have to be. His brace um, in this game takes him up to a tally of 20 this season. Yeah. Fucking 20 goals. Yeah. Um, he's a machine. Beyond belief, man. And like, without a doubt, a future winner of every individual award you could possibly bestow upon him. Mm. I say yeah. from midfield, they they play this weird kind of shape, Madrid, where he often ends up being like a like the nine. Um, mm. But he plays more like a false nine. And it's it's if you think of it, it's a little bit different. It's not quite the same as when Liverpool had Firmino there. And they had, um, you know, Salah and whoever getting it, and Mane getting in really narrow because Rodrigo and um, Rodrigo and Vinny still hold a lot of width in that team, and they just mm-hmm. spread the back four right out. And then Bellingham makes these late runs forward rather than doing so much of the hold up play as well. It's it's kind of interesting to watch, and I think it's a it's a bit of a a testament to Ancelotti and his the way he's kind of. I know Guardiola gets a lot of talk for his involvement and, you know, influencing the game going forward. But Ancelotti is still just one of the all-time greats. He's my all-time favourite manager. um, And he's just, he's still got it. And he's still coming up with new ways. You know, they lost Benzema and they've just kind of found a way to get this exciting midfielder in there to play a a similar sort of role to Benzema, but also still be a midfielder. It's it's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, 20 goals in all competitions for Bellingham, but 16 in the league, which has him leading the clearly leading the golden boot to a goal, a goal clear at the top bonkers. of the, the golden boot. Yeah. How long yeah. till he like his FIFA card just says he's like a striker or a centre forward? <laughs> like seriously, like like with Gareth Bale, remember when they ended up all of a sudden it was just like, no, he's just a striker or winger. He's just up top. Yeah. It's it's a it's a beautiful strikerless tactic. And like you said, all praise to answer Lottie for doing that. Um yeah. Unfortunately for them, he picked up a knock in this game, Jude, and he, mm. he could be out for a couple of weeks by the look of it. Um, maybe. I mean, how important is he to this side? Is it going to halt Madrid's good form? Does it give Girona a chance to come back? They're still only five points behind. You slip up a couple of times and, you know, it could be um, could be on again for all all money. Yeah, could do. Hard to say. Um it could be just a chance for Joselu. Jo- uh, uh, mm. He came across his, you know, 33 years of age, signed as a kind uh, I say as a replacement for Benzema, but Ancelotti must have known all along what he was going to do with Bellingham because he's been doing it all season. But mm-hmm. uh, Joselu got the move to Real Madrid at 32, 33 years of age from Espanyol. He's been a pretty reliable La Liga striker and hasn't really had much opportunity, only off the bench, really. Um, he mm-hmm. started the odd game here and there, but yeah, just Bellingham just been just holding him out as a 20-year-old midfielder is keeping him out of a, a striker's job that this guy's been doing for 15 years in the, in the <laughs> professional football league. Since Bellingham was a glint in his father's eye. Um, yeah. He did he did come on, Jocelyn, and um, hit the woodwork from a penalty, which would have made it 5-0 late on. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not had a great time of it. Um, Barcelona probably shot themselves well out of it now. They had a draw. They they scored with 10 minutes to go to get a, a three-all draw at home to Granada, who are 19th. So 
Yeah. No good. Uh, Xavi is just seeing out his time there, I think. Before he goes to goes to Liverpool. Saudi. Is he going to Liverpool? Xavi oh. or Xabi? Which one do you want? Um, <laughs> that's just me trying to segue it to Xabi Alonso, all right? Just chill out. Xabi Alonso, right. Bayer Leverkusen, they have not lost a game in the league yet. Eat shit, Harry Kane. Honestly, eat it. And the rest of you, Bayern, shove your can-can. They might still come back and win this league, though, so I don't want to go too hard on them. But this was my game of the week. Leverkusen hosting Munich. They had a two-all draw, I believe, last time out um, in in Munich. This time, just Munich. Uh, Bayern just could not go with them. Leverkusen's pressure and just the, the way they pressed and attacked them was just... You know, a uh, world class, and Jabby's just got Jabby Alonso's just got this team ticking so well. They've opened up a five point gap at the top now, and are undefeated. At oh man, I just I don't know that Stanisic is on loan from Bayern Munich at Leverkusen. He scored the first goal to put a bit <laughs> of a nail in him, and then Did he celebrate. Uh, no, he didn't. And then uh, a nice goal from their left back, Grimaldo. He's, I think he scored a free kick against them last time, Grimaldo. Um, but he popped up with another goal in this fixture. And then Jeremy Frimpong, who came through uh, kind of Celtic's kind of reserves, I think, ended up playing for Celtic a little bit before they sold him. And he's ended up at Bayern and he scored uh, one of those counter-attack ones where Neuer had come up for the corner at 2-0 and went on the counter, still had a lot to do and finished from a tight angle. And it was just the Bayer arena. Uh, in Leverkusen was going bonkers. Absolutely. I, uh, if if I can, Sammy, I'll just ask for permission. I'd like to do, do a little, like. I'd like Hands to do a, little bit of, a little bit of Bayern bashing here. If, oh, please. If if you're open to it. Am um, I open to it? The, uh, this is the best pod birthday present ever. <laughs> these guys won a, a Bundesliga title last season that they Bundesliga. were very, Bundesliga, Bundesliga, whatever you want to call it, that they're very, <laughs> very fortunate to have won. I think we can, you know, oh, absolutely. In, in Dortmund's hands on the last day of the season. But oh, I they I was going to enjoy this. To, they went to however many in a row. I believe it was a 10 in a row that, that it took. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now they're only five points behind halfway through a season. They're well and truly still in a title race. Absolutely. And the response from Bayern fans online after this game. I just want to read a post, one post that I've got here. Yeah, let's go. Um, you have destroyed my club. You have burnt so much money and destroyed the Mia San Mia mentality we cherished. Our board sacked a better, more attacking coach for you because you were living in Munich. They are as culpable for this for the mess the club is in as you are. Hashtag Tuchel out. Now, the entitlement of these absolute fucking pig Bayern supporters, man. This is... Yeah, man. I hate these them. people are what... This is what people hate about modern football, that you have financially dominated this league, signed every good player in this league from every minnow or so smaller club, as they like to think other clubs are outside of them. For a good, over well over a decade now, you've won 10 consecutive league titles. Football leagues don't exist for you to win 10 consecutive league titles. Juventus shouldn't have won nine in a row. Bayern shouldn't have won 10 in a row. That's It's not how football is built to to work and to turn around and have an absolute fucking cry 21 games through a season because a team of another team are finally playing well and they've put a five point gap on you and beat beat you at their home stadium and they're they're undefeated it's fucking sad man like there's t- people that support football clubs out there that will never in their lifetime see their team win a a, a league title in a top six league, or they might even get relegated to the championship and they could live for 60 years and never see their team win a championship because they just financially fall apart or, or a Bundesliga two or, or a Bundesliga or whatever in this yeah. case, it's just feral entitlement. I, I can't stand it. I absolutely hate it. And just stop having a cry. You have no right to. 
Yeah, absolutely agree. I did I you can't... did you see Muller losing it after the game? Yeah, yeah Muller as well. It's that sad up. that all of them, mate, the whole club in general, just they have this whole sense of gross entitlement that shouldn't exist. Yeah, they've got Lazio this week in the Champions League, like a club that I don't like either. But I would love nothing more than to see them pants buying. I don't know if it'll happen, but they're just. The entitlement, like you said, they just I, I hate this club. And they're the, one of the, the biggest hypocrites in German football. They love getting on board when all the fans, other German fans, do their protests against, like, um, you know, international investment into the league or ticket prices or, you know, um, having uh, Monday night or Friday night football, which the fans are all pretty against, things like that. But... But you know, then they have their their T-Mobile sponsor seats in the stadium, and they they don't bat an eyelid at that. You know, they just just fuck them. I hate them. You but know, they, they what gets me is they rave on about this this brilliant fifty one percent supporter ownership rule that that Germany have with the league, and that yep. they're just as much a fans club as any other club in the world. Well, you're not because Bayern fans are in terms of football fans, they are as close as you'll get to these owners that want to destroy modern football and throw their money around and just be the only team that ever tastes success again and not work for anything because yep. you've destroyed all these other clubs and you're too good. They're as close mm. as that for a supporter base as you can get. Yeah. They are. Um, Munich did have uh, Serge Gnabry's out. They've got Alphonse Davies out, Kingsley Coman. Uh, that's probably all the big ones out. But Leverkusen were also missing. Uh, Kasunu was, uh, was away with Afcon still. Um, Ezekiel Palacios was out, Arthur was out, and their top striker this season, Victor Boniface, was also out. And they've still done an absolute number on him. Love to see it. I really hope Leverkusen can, can keep going. I saw a meme this week about how Harry Kane had, <laughs> if Harry Kane moved to Scotland and joined Celtic or Rangers, that Hibs would win the league or something like that. Um, <laughs> he just he goes over to Germany to win something, and Leverkusen are doing a number on him. I wish he went last year so that Dortmund would have won the league. But, oh, well, I still blame Sebastian Allaire. Uh Shall we quickly just do some Champions League? Because that's going to be underway this week, uh, Wednesday morning. We've got two fixtures. We've got Copenhagen, Man City. But the mouth-watering one, I think, is Leipzig and Real Madrid. Yeah, tough game. I mean, I would not want to pick this, the home fixture in, in Germany, that's for sure. I no. mean, what constitutes a good result for Leipzig, I wonder, they they probably have to win, don't they? Yeah, mm, I think they take a draw. Mm. The way they've been playing in the Bundesliga, I think they like, you know, they got to be realistic. I think they would they take a draw and just, you know, then it comes down to just the one game, no away goal rule anymore. It yeah, just true. makes it that kind of cup final element to the second leg. Yeah, yeah. You you've watched them more than us this season. Would you say they've got the medal to go ninety minutes uh, in Spain and and grind something out? Yeah, I think so. I think because their 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 weapons are also similar to what Real Madrid's weapons are with their, you know, when they hit on the counter and go hard. Um, but yeah, I don't know their defensive frailties though. They conceded a lot of goals lately, and Bellingham might be licking him. Well, he might be out, but um, you know, I don't know. Real Madrid, I can see. I think Real Madrid will go to go to Germany and get a win here. But if you were Leipzig, I think you would take a draw. Man yeah, City, uh, Copenhagen. To, oh, you, you got sorry, something. Sorry, to me, to me, I think Leipzig have to win this because they can't go to the Bernabeu needing to needing to get a result. I don't think yeah, so. Sure. If they want, if they want to be an opportunity to go through for, in from the round of sixteen, they they should win this fixture. Um, 
City are going to murder Copenhagen. They continually just get these <laughs> absolutely wonderful round of 16 draws. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it's going to be one of those scenarios where we see Pep go completely full strength on Wednesday morning, try and win this game 5 or 6 nil, and then just rest some legs uh, the next time they come up against them. Yeah, brilliant. Thursday morning, PSG hosts Real Sociedad and then uh, Lazio host Bayern. Uh, PSG, I think, will you know, win this semi-comfortably. I don't think they'll destroy teams. I don't know if they've got it in them to destroy a team like Sociedad, but Sociedad mm. not been one of those teams that have, you know, they qualified for, um, you know, they qualified for Champions League and now they sit seventh this season. So they're not, you know, maybe struggling with the extra fixtures that they did have Europa League last year, but like, I don't know. It's another gravy just, stepping yeah, up to this. Different gravy stepping up to Champions League, like we saw with Newcastle. They tried to go with them and just couldn't quite. I think PSG will win semi comfortably, but they're not going to destroy them. Um, Lazio, no. I don't know, but I just hope they smash Bayern. They probably won't. That'd be nice. I mean, this the and the fixtures that'll be next week as well. I mean, if you're talking from a multi perspective, it just it, doesn't it seem like you pick all the big teams here and it should be okay. Yeah. I think uh, so. I mean, Inter, Inter Atleti might be the one that could cause some problems, but Inter are so good right now. Yeah, it could be. I don't know if you want to bet to be going over a week. We don't usually try. We try not to talk about gambling on no. here. But, um, no. Yeah, but if we're talking yeah. about just... The other four games... Like... The other four games are next week. So um, there's, they did this... I think they they used to just play them all over, over the same week and then they'd have a week off and play the second leg. But now they, yeah. they've spread the games. Uh, TV money. Get it in everywhere you can. Does it really matter in the streaming area where I can just tune into any one of those games? Um, maybe not. Just scroll scroll through X and find a pirated thing but, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Let's all support Lazio this week. Um, all right. Anything else from you two for this week? I reckon that about wraps it up. Okay. Love that. Cooper, is it just no, no, Not from no. me. No. No, he's done. All right. I love the buying bashing, though. If you can bring more of that energy next week, I'll be all for it. <laughs> all right. Like I said at the start, folks, get around us on the social medias. Keep sharing the pod. Tell your mates. Uh, let's go. Let's, let's see if we can get another three years. Who knows? Have a good week, folks.